when we think of solitude, we should be thinking of this wilderness experience, and we should be thinking, hey, I'm, I'm in this season. Maybe you've been thrust into a wilderness experience. Maybe it's that you're intentionally taking steps to walk into a wilderness experience, and, and those experiences are for the express purpose that we might die to ourselves in order to live unto Christ. Uh, God intends it to be that when we enter the wilderness experience, whether we want to or we, we don't, uh, he, he intends to encounter us there. He intends to start peeling the layers of, of Dan away so that the layers of Christ might be formed in us. So really, the wilderness experience is an opportunity for us to encounter something of God. Now, there's, there's a supplement to this idea of solitude, and that's the, the idea of silence. Uh, it is not a very popular thing in our day to embrace the, the idea of silence, uh, because we live in a communication age. We live where technology affords us the ability to have all kinds of communication, whatever we want. Um, you, you can't go sit on the throne and not go in there without some sort of device to be speaking to you. Uh, no matter where you're at in life, noise follows you, words follow you, distractions follow you. There is, there is rarely a downtime of silence for people in, in this kind of Western uh, communication age. Uh, so, uh, it's something that we, as God's people, should probably really look into and con consider uh, this, this discipline of silence. And once again, this idea of silence is really just a supplement to solitude. Um, oftentimes, if you study the spiritual disciplines, these two categories kind of, kind of go together. So what we're going to do is just work through uh, what this discipline of silence is, uh, how it benefits us, and then finally just a few practicals on how to go about it. So first and foremost, uh, the discipline of silence. What, what exactly uh, is it? Uh, so once again, it, it's, it's a supplement to the discipline of solitude. We could say it this way, that silence throws gas on the flame of solitude. Uh, when you enter into that wilderness experience, and you enter into it choosing to put away distractions, choosing to put away the noise, it's only going to um, create more tension within that place of solitude. Why? Well, because we're left to our own thoughts. We're left to our, our desires running amok within us. We're actually now listening in to our, our confused minds, our racing minds. And so what silence does is in a large part just kind of throw fire on the experience of solitude. Um, once again, the reason for that is because we've, we're so trained uh, to, to live with constant information um, bombarding our minds and thoughts uh, in, in the kind of culture that we live in. But what intentional silence does, you turn off the radio, you turn off the screens, you turn off the music, uh, you, you, you turn off uh, just the, the noise around you, and, and again, you're suddenly confronted with the chaos of your own thoughts and your own feelings, your anxieties, uh, the things you got to do tomorrow, the things you got to get done today, everything's bombarding your mind. It's like our minds can't rest. And so what what silence is all about is, is disciplining ourselves to that point of rest. So on, on one hand, this idea of silence is very uncomfortable. Um, it's, it's uncomfortable not to be entertained or distracted by something. And on the other hand, it's this idea of silence can just be a messy experience. Again, you're going to find that your mind just doesn't shut down. It, you, you find that your mind is terribly <laughs> undisciplined. Uh, it just runs and runs and runs. It races, it races, it races. You don't even have to ask or uh, intentionally think about the things you got to do or, or whatnot. It just seems like your mind is wired to continue to race 
in these uh, different ways. And it's not only that your mind will, you'll find that your mind is just running endlessly, uh, but it also, you'll also come to find that it is a dangerous place to kind of be left alone to your own thoughts. Um, whether you find your thoughts being like you can't control them, they just continue to race, or whether it's the fact that your mind is going in directions uh, that perhaps your heart is saying, this is not right, this is not right, this is not right. Uh, so silence tends to confront just the undisciplinedness of our mind, but also kind of the, the backward, crooked thoughts and desires uh, that we often uh, have running through our hearts and minds. John Owens says it this way. He says, what we are in moments of silence and solitude, he says, that we are indeed and no more. In other words, it, it, truly, it truly exposes the realness of our hearts. He says that silence and solitude are either the best or the worst of our times, wherein the principle that is predominant in us will show and act itself. And so the idea is it's, it, the real stuff that's deep down is going to come out in moments of silence and solitude. But folks, th this is why then this discipline of silence is uh, so good, so healthy, so necessary to begin exposing our hearts and minds for what they really are, uh, but then to actually practice the stillness, the spiritual discipline of stillness. So we can define this, this idea of, of silence as the renewing practice of attending to the presence of God and listening to the voice of God in quiet without interruption or noise, right? It's a renewing practice. We're, 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 the, the aim of silence is to renew the mind. And so it's a renewing practice of attending to the presence of God. We're just not trying to be mindless. We're just not trying to strive for um, this, this, this silence without it being the goal of getting to God, that God, we want to place him before us. We want to attend to his presence, but then also to listen to his voice, to shut down our own minds in order to listen to the voice of God in a quiet place without interruption or noise. So some, some biblical texts that kind of support this idea, like where in the world is this stuff found in Scripture? Well, Psalm 46 is a popular um, psalm where it talks about God is our refuge in times of difficulty. The, the final verses of that psalm say, be still, like sh shut, shut things down, be still, find a quiet place of silence and solitude, be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in, in the earth. Uh, I don't know about you, but in moments of silence and solitude, I, I'm thinking about all the things I gotta be doing, and, and I'm feeling the pressures of getting all that stuff done. It's like, I can't sit in silence without feeling the strivings of my heart and the racing of my mind. But what God is saying is to be still because he is the sovereign God who will be exalted in, in the nations. Like God's saying, hey, you need to slow down enough to recognize I got this. Uh, it's to surrender the strivings of your mind and heart to him being still, because he is the one who is sovereign, who will be exalted in the nations. Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 7 says this, it says, Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. For some of us, it's, it's not just the busyness, I got to do this, that, or the other thing, the strivings of the heart, but it's also the anxieties that we carry. It's the hurt and the shame and the injustices and feeling like we got to do something uh, to rectify the wrongs that have been done, whether it's the wrongs that, we have been, uh, that we've done or the wrongs that have been done against us. And Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 7 is saying, be silent. Like, slow down. Why? Because your sovereign God is near, for the day of the Lord is coming. It's the idea that God is the one who's going to bring about perfect justice for his people. The, the, the deepest hurts and pains that our hearts feel 
uh, will one day be rectified. They will one day have perfect justice brought about in a way in which our hearts will be satisfied. Right now our hearts race in, in, in this place of not seeing justice, in, in, in feeling the battle of shame, in feeling at times even unforgiveness and, and, and our hearts kind of being burdened down just by the, the hurts and trials and injustices of life. Well, God's saying, be still, be silent, stop talking, stop letting your mind race about these things. Why? Because the day of the Lord is near. God's got all of this. Uh, another text is Revelation chapter 8, very similar. Uh, it's the idea that there's a holy hush in heaven. And why? Well, Jesus is about to unravel more of the seals and bring about more justice. Uh, it's the same idea. God is going to bring about a perfect justice one day, and so it's right for God's people to be in silence for a time, to actually in that silence, be submitting our hearts, the troubles of our hearts to him as the one who's the sovereign God who bring about perfect justice. Uh, Job chapter 40 is another text that is very similar in terms of the theme here. Job chapter 40, verse 4, uh, Job responds to God and he says, I am unworthy. You know, Job has like been questioning God and and, and, and God now kind of puts Job on trial and, and kind of puts him in his place. Were you there when I, when I established the foundations of the world, when I created all things? Were you there? And, and Job has to sit back and say, okay, yeah, you, you are the sovereign creator God whose ways are higher than my ways. And therefore, Job's response is, I am an, I am an unworthy man to even bring question uh, before you. And so what, is, what does Job say? He says, how can I respond to this, this God of perfect wisdom? He says, I will put a hand over my mouth. Uh, literally, he, he's saying, I must sit in silence as, as an act of surrender to God. All the concerns, all the hurts that he's gone through, all the questions of why, he says, I, I, I'm going to submit these things to this sovereign Lord who will bring about perfect justice for me. James chapter 1, verse 19, a New Testament text that simply says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be uh, quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. So there, there's, off, there, there's also just a very practical principle throughout Scripture that would say, hey, let, let's be careful how much we're running our mouths Let's sit in silence. Let's listen before we speak. So there is a priority within Scripture of God's people disciplining themselves to sit uh, in silence. Any thoughts? All right. Sitting in silence. All right. <laughs> just doing the discipline. All right. So uh, what I want to do now is just go through a few benefits like, what does is, what is this discipline actually do for us? What is it accomplishing? What, what should be kind of our mindset as, as, as perhaps we step in to a time of silence? What's it accomplishing? What should our mindset be geared toward? Uh, the first thing is this, that we practice silence in order, our, in order to place our hearts and minds before the Lord, right? We we don't just embrace silence for silence sake. We don't do this like, hey, we just want to be mindless. Uh, no, we, we want to encounter the Lord. We want to place the Lord. Psalm 16, it's a text that I've been holding on to throughout this corona season. I just want to see the Lord continuously placed before us. So when we, when we repose into a place of, of silence, it's important that we're not just doing that for discipline's sake. We're not just doing that because, man, there's so much noise out there. I just need a, a point in place of silence. It's, it's for the express purpose that we would set God before us, that we would attend to his presence, that we would look to him. Uh, even within our culture, uh, this has come up a handful of times within ministry, this idea of mindfulness. Uh, it is so popular within uh, kind of our, our time. Um, where, where there are some good principles when it comes to this idea of, of mindfulness. 
the, the idea behind mindfulness is, is more or less a, a mental discipline that folks are worked through in order, as, as they would say, to be awake mentally that we wouldn't be so distracted about the plans ahead and that we wouldn't so, be so kind of wrapped up into the struggles and regrets of the past, but that we could come to a place of mindfulness, awakeness in the present. Now, there's some good things about not looking too far out and always planning, and there's some good things about not always looking to the past, but the point of resting in the presence should never be the goal in and of itself. The, the point of mental rest and, and kind of being present in the moment is so that we might set our minds on what our minds were actually created for, namely our God. It's to set our minds upon Him. If you're going to jump into this discipline of silence, which I would encourage you to do, uh, it's important that we're not just doing it for silence sake. We're not just doing it for some sort of mindfulness thing where we just want to be kind of find ourselves present in the moment. No, we want to find God in the moment. We want to silence our mind in order to incline our hearts to the Lord. So the practice of silence is for the purpose of placing our hearts and minds before the Lord. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, when it comes to this mindfulness thing, um, I think we need to just keep some things in mind. Uh, Colossians 2 will say that worldly philosophies, religions, and disciplines will have an appearance in this world of wisdom. But what Paul says is they are of no value in stopping the desires of the flesh. They, they may look like they're accomplishing something. They may look like they're providing a level of, of discipline, but when it comes down to it, they ultimately have no true power of, of curbing and harnessing really the desires uh, of our own hearts. What Paul says is, is our disciplines should lead us to set our minds on things that are above where Christ is seated, the one who is our life. And so Paul has this all in perspective that when it comes to uh, spiritual disciplines, they are never an end in themselves. They are intended to get our gaze, our focus, our attention on the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 6, uh, it says, to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So to get away in silence should be for the express purpose of setting our hearts and minds on the Lord. So that's, that's just one, one kind of benefit, one way in which we should set uh, our focus when we kind of jump into a discipline of silence. Second, we practice silence in order to express our faith in the Lord. Uh, so many of the texts that we just read through actually deal with a lot of the trouble of man's heart. He, he carries anxieties, he carries shame, he carries hurt, uh, and, and that can cause the mind to race. It can cause the, the heart and mind to kind of get all mucked up. Uh, but what silence is, is really we're stepping away from all our strivings, we're stepping away for, from all our uh, attempts to kind of reconcile the brokenness of life in order to say, God, I am, I'm, I'm doing this as an act of faith. I could be doing X, Y, Z things right now, busying myself to accomplish, 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 or make things right, feel like I'm in control of the hurts and difficulties of my life. Uh, but when it comes down to it, this idea of silence is saying, okay, God, no, I want to surrender all my strivings to you. I want to recognize that you are in control. So the practice of silence is to express our faith uh, to the Lord. You know, it's, it's Proverbs 16, 9, where, you know, we, we will make our plans, but God ultimately orders our steps. Or, or, or James chapter 4, after, after talking about how brief, or vapor-like our life is, how frail our life is, it's probably not the best thing to just be making plans and, and, and saying, hey, yeah, we're going to go into this city and that city and buy and sell and accomplish this and accomplish that, and here's the way our dreams and, and plans are going to go. No, it's, it's to recognize that our life and our plans are actually quite frail, quite limited, and therefore, this idea of silence is to say, no, I, I want to submit all my plans, my strivings, my, my hurts and my difficulties. I'm, this is going to be an act of faith where I'm going to slow down. I'm going to stop everything 
to sit in silence and say, God, you, you, you are Lord of my hurts, of my trials, of my plans, of my aspirations. So this is what the, the practice of silence is intended to do. Uh, third, and if you got any thoughts, just stop me. Um, third, the, the practice of silence, very similarly, it, it is for the purpose of surrendering our confusion to the Lord. That Psalm 46 idea, be still and know that he is the Lord, that, that's, that's the thing. I don't know about you, but like the experience of silence is never internally silent. I'm, my mind is always going, I got to do this, I got to do that. I got the checklist running through my mind. Whenever I try to have quiet time with the Lord, it's like, I have to reread and reread and reread and reread. Why? Because it's, it's just, oh, I got to do this, and oh, this, is, this has to happen, and, and these plans need to be figured out. It's, it's almost like the mind comes under attack when we try to just set our focus on the Lord. And so it, it's important that in these moments of, of seeking silence, that we would, in, in some sense, be offloading all the, all the, all the like, the list of stuff, the agendas that we, we feel like we got to get done, that all the, the thoughts that are coming in, that we're actually taking those very thoughts and saying, Lord, this, this is confusion that I want to set before you. Um, folks, this is something of our act of worship before the Lord. Uh, it's, it's a worshipful moment where I'm saying, this, this is my sacrifice to you, this confused racing mind. God, I want to present this thought to you. I want to present this thought to you. And as thoughts are coming in, it's just a, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm surrendering it to you. And, and over time, you begin to recognize, oh, your mind is, is quieting. Your mind now isn't filled with the junk. Why? Because you're, you're actively bringing those things before the Lord, saying, Lord, this is yours. This is yours to to run with. This is yours to be sovereign over. This is yours to ultimately figure out. So these times of silence are, are a time where we surrender our confusion to the Lord, where we actively, as 1 Peter 5 says, cast our cares on him, for he does care for you. He wants, he wants to take those burdens. He wants to take those strivings. He wants to take those anxieties uh, from us. So next then, um, we want to practice silence in order to hear the Lord's voice. Um, now, this, this word is God's word, and it is authoritative, it's inspired, it's objective, it is rock solid. This is where we go to see God revealing him, himself. Um, and, and yet, what we also have to recognize is that God speaks to us what we would say subjectively. It's not authoritative. But oftentimes, God will speak to us about certain situations, about how we should do certain ministries, how we should tend to our, to our families, to our friends, how we should minister. Um, that they are circumstantial revelations, you could say. But once again, it's never on the level of this authoritative word. It's always subjective, and therefore, it's intended to be tested. Uh, and, and, and yet, um, it's so important that we slow down enough to hear something of the Lord's voice. Um, sometimes God just wants to remind us that we are deeply loved. When we feel like we're sitting in shame, when we feel like we, we, we've failed again, when we feel like we just can't live up to whatever expectations we've placed on ourselves, sometimes it's good to just sit in silence and you will hear his voice. You'll, you'll hear him declaring love. Sometimes he'll bring passages of scripture to mind to remind you that he deeply, deeply loves you, but at other times, he'll be giving you directives. He'll, he'll place certain people on your heart and mind, and, and he'll even teach you, in some sense, how to go about ministering uh, to others. So this idea of, of practicing silence uh, is, is opening the airwaves. It's shutting our mouth, it's shutting our minds so that we can listen into what uh, the Lord is saying. And we, we do recognize this throughout Scripture, um, a handful of times, whether it's, you know, Elijah and Elisha, there's certain moments where out of the fire in the whirlwind, God is whispering uh, to them. It's also in the New Testament where we see prophetic words being, being off, um, offered. 
But also, um, you know, I, I love the illustration. Jonathan Edwards, America's Greatest Theologian, that's kind of the title that he's, he's gained over the years. Uh, but he'll say some wonderful things about his wife, um, Sarah Edwards. Uh, with their busy home, man, they had, their home was always open to hospitality, people coming over, so ministry was, was never ending. There was folks who uh, were more or less homeless that they would regularly uh, tend to and help out. But this is how Jonathan Edwards talks about his wife. He, he says, she hardly cares for anything except to meditate on her Lord. She loves being alone walking in the fields and groves, and seems to have someone invisible always conversing with her. Uh, and that's the reality of just silence and solitude, like just kind of getting away and, and having a dialogue uh, with the Lord, talking through things uh, at times, bringing those cares and concerns before him, and, and, and having a running, ongoing dialogue with him. Uh, but those moments of silence, of just kind of keeping the mind from racing and the heart from striving, uh, that, that's usually on the front end of this, this discipline. But as you learn it, you're going to be hearing his voice, and he's going to be encouraging you with his truth. So uh, one, one thing that we should be focused on is listening to the Lord's voice. Um, a few more things before we just transition to a few practicals, and then we'll jump into prayer. Um, the, the practice or the discipline of silence is also for the sake of taming our tongue, right? James talks about that in James chapter 3. Uh, he actually says that the tongue is untamable. It, it can't be stopped. It's going to continue to be babbling, babbling, babbling. Uh, but it's, it's important, even as James would say, that as the heart is made right, the tongue will be made right. Um, so uh, this idea of silence really is to shut our mouths, uh, to get alone in silence before the Lord, and, and to just let him do some heart work. Uh, let him be the one to whom we can offload our cares and our, our strivings, so that when we go back into life, the, the, the race of life, uh, our, our tongue is not just wrapped up in the strivings, uh, but our tongue is coming from a place of peace and repose, and it's where we've encountered God, and now our hearts are inclined to Him, therefore our words uh, will be seasoned. Uh, they'll, they'll be rightly spoken. Uh, so it's important for this discipline of silence to also just shut our mouths down so we can rightly align our hearts to the Lord so that when we go back into the, the stuff of life, uh, our, our words are going to be edifying. They're going to be rightly spoken uh, towards others. Uh, and finally then, another kind of practical thing, uh, this discipline of silence uh, is intended to kill our addiction to noise. Um, as we went through our series on digital Jesus um, last fall, you know, we, we saw this quite a bit, that we are a people addicted to noise, addicted to information. It's podcasts, and it's YouTube videos, and it's, it's, it's a constant stream of communication and information that we always feel like we got to be up on. We, we, we got to be in the know of what's happening, whether it's for information's sake or for entertainment's sake. And so, it, there, there are few places in our life now that don't have some sort of entertainment going or some sort of information being pulsed in to our hearts and minds. And so this idea of practice really is, or this idea of silence is really a practice wherein we, we go about the work of killing our addiction uh, to noise. Uh, Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 6, he'll say, all things are lawful for me. Uh, but not all things are upbuilding. Uh, and then he says, and I intend not to be dominated by anything. I intend not to be enslaved by anything. And the first illustration that he gives is food. He, he says, it's okay for me to eat this food, uh, but you know, I also want to be careful that I'm not being enslaved to it. I want to be able to say no to things that I have a right to take in. And so, again, like we talked about last week, that may be alcohol, that may be 
nicotine, but it might be entertainment. It might be constant Netflix. It might be the, the constant information and podcasts. As, as good and as edifying of the information that you may be receiving from that, uh, we also have to bring a balance to those things because even though it might be good information, it may actually just be feeding your addiction to noise. Uh, so it's important to say, all right, Lord, I want moments of silence where I'm unplugging everything. I'm stepping away from the noise. I'm stepping away from the screens. I'm stepping away from the communication. And, I, and I'm going to posture my heart and my mind uh, before you. So all to say this, when it comes to this discipline of silence, there's a lot of benefit to it. Um, a lot of benefit. And so it would be highly encouraged to pursue this this discipline. Now, how do we go about this in the most practical ways? Well, um, start small. Uh, if, if this is not a normal practice for you yet, uh, start small. Literally take like five-minute chunks throughout the day. Maybe it's twice a day um, where you're just choosing to sit in, in moments of silence. Maybe it's early in the morning uh, during your devotional time. Maybe it's before you go to bed. Uh, for, for me, I try to exercise it in the mornings as I'm doing some devotions. I just want to sit, and, and my whole aim is to, is to incline my heart to the Lord. I want my affection to be toward Him. Um, I don't want my mind to be racing about X, Y, and Z. I just want to be in a posture of worship before him. And usually in those moments, it's to say, God, I just want to be under the sway of your spirit today. I don't want to be striving. I don't want to be operating in my own strength. I just want to be under the sway of your spirit. So five minutes, and that's hard to do at times, especially when you got a full day of stuff to do. Uh, so it's to slow down enough, even if it's just five minutes, to just incline your heart to the Lord. And I'd encourage you um, at nighttime to do the same thing. You know, by the time you're laying your head on your pillow, you got all the baggage of the day that's kind of followed you. Um, so once again, it's to offload that stuff. Uh, and it, again, it's to incline your hearts. I, I don't try to think about any grand truths about God and just kind of meditate there. I just want, I just want to incline my heart to the Lord. God, you, you are, you've been good today. You've been faithful once again. So God, I, I just want to kind of place my affections uh, before him. I want him to be the last thing on my heart and mind as I'm, as I'm going to sleep. So five minutes. Now, now for, for some of you, um, maybe it's doing what Susanna Wesley did. She was the wife of uh, John Wesley. Uh, they had like 19 kids, busy home, right? Things are crazy. And she would take her apron and just toss it over her, her head. And, and that was the sign to the rest of the family, like, hey, mom is taking a moment of silence before the Lord. Um, even if it's for a minute to just say, I am going to sit before the Lord, and maybe it's, you know, your mind's going, I, I just want that moment to, to bring those things uh, before the Lord. Just, uh, it's time out, me, me and God, let's get away, let's have a moment of silence before him. So start small, just kind of involve small moments in the daily rhythms of life where you're, where you're getting uh, away. And then another practical thing is uh, once you get this to be a little more structured in, in your life, start setting aside perhaps a certain place. Uh, maybe it's to go for a walk around the block in silence. Uh, maybe it's a little prayer closet. Maybe it's, um, you know, your, your prayer room. Uh, whatever it might be, just, just a place where you know you can have some, some silence. You won't find distraction there. There's not multiple screens to kind of pull your, uh, your attention away. It's just to kind of sit before the Lord. So again, start, start small with just a few minutes a day, and then maybe have a place where you can get away. If it's a walk, it's a walk. If it's a place in the woods, it's a place in the woods. If it's just kind of going into the closet for a few moments, uh, and having a little bit of time before the Lord, those things will be be helpful. Now, as you grow in these things, you may you may want like larger or more like more time scheduled in, in doing a retreat to get away, uh, where you can just spend additional uh, time uh, with the Lord. But those are some just very practical things 
when there's so much benefit to these disciplines, uh, it's important that we would just kind of start small and kind of build it into the rhythms of our daily life. So that's kind of a, a summary of the discipline of, of silence and some practical ways that we can go about it. What do we got? I was thinking about how this discipline goes hand in hand with the discipline of fasting. And in many ways, it, it even is a type of fasting. You're fasting mm -hmm. from, from noise and um, filling your mind. Um, but when you pair the two hand in hand and, and you devote yourself to the, the discipline of silence while fasting, it's like amplified. Mm. Um, and your ability to be sensitive to the Lord's leading and to hear what he would have to say to you is just so much more profound when you're withholding food from your body. Yep. So yep. Um, just to throw that out there, yeah. um, I know it's, man, it's already been, what, four months since we were emphasizing fasting. Yeah. I think it's probably time to, to do another fast. But um, a couple other random thoughts as you were talking. The other day, mm -hmm. Dave sent me a devotional. And um, in that devotional, kind of the main point of it was doing business with the Lord, where you're intentionally, during your quiet time, asking the Lord to reveal things that are that are hindering your relationship and that come between you and the Lord. Mm -hmm. So that's just another yeah. um, another way that you can relate to the Lord during these times of, of silence, because you're not you're not just praying requests, but you're you're asking the Lord to reveal things and then you're waiting in silence for him to pinpoint. These are areas that I want you to bring to me, to, to hand over to me. Um, and it also reminded me of uh, a quote from a song. I don't know if you guys know 21 Pilots and the song Car Radio, but he's singing about how when his car radio gets stolen, then he has to drive his car in silence. And um, he says, there's no hiding for me. I'm forced to deal with what I feel. There's no distraction to mask what is real. Mm. And it's like when you, when you get in those moments of silence, you are forced to deal with yeah the struggles that are inside of you and your weaknesses and the things that are um, maybe pulling you away from the Lord. So, man, taking that time of silence is very difficult. But when you put yourself in that situation, there's just such sweet um, pruning that takes place mm -hmm. and relationship. And even thinking about it in terms of relationship with your wife or your friend or, you know, yeah. an important person to you, it's like you can... You can come home from work and you can talk a lot to each other about things and never get past the surface level um, unless you're really intently listening and you know asking pointed intentional questions and then listening for a heart response. So it's kind of the same thing. Like you can you can spend lots of time in prayer and reading your Bible and never really go deeper than yeah. surface level. Um, but this discipline of silence, it, it really takes you to that heart level right away by default. Um, so yep. I think those are the only things that, that came to mind. Yeah, it's, it's these disciplines. You don't know how undisciplined you are until you step into these disciplines. Uh, you know, it's the same with fasting. Uh, it's just like, man, how, how impulsive we are to just put things in our mouths um, and and, and to not even think twice, twice about it. And, and yet the, the, the blessing, especially of fasting, where it's like, man, I'm going to withhold from that in order to know, in order to kind of be confronted with my weakness so that I can ultimately be confronted by God's grace. Like, ah. And, and, and there is so much benefit then to all the factors that go into our physiology where it brings us to a place of weakness where our emotions aren't running amok and it's a place of stillness before the Lord. Uh, our minds aren't racing where we can really lean into him and, uh, yeah, encounter him kind of afresh. Uh, a few very basic recommendations uh, in terms of, of books. Um, some are more simple than others. The first one is by... Henry Nguyen, it's the, the Way of the Heart. 
he's actually a, a priest, and he's referencing some of the, the desert fathers. So it's a little, little different, not necessarily uh, in our theological wheelhouse necessarily, but um, the practical stuff that he brings out here is, is quite beneficial. Uh, what is more popular and more well-known, Henry Nguyen, uh, is, of course, the Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by uh, Donald Whitney. So, um, in fact, some of the points that we went over, he covers in his section on silence and solitude. So this is a fantastic, it, th this is kind of the more popular, the norm uh, that folks would be running to, so this is very helpful. And then finally, um, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Calhoun. Uh, this was recommended uh, by Zach and Natalie Adams uh, from, I think, Zach's uh, schooling at Gordon-Conwell. And so this has been another significant help, uh, just uh, a ton of practicals included in, the, in this volume uh, to consider as it relates to the spiritual disciplines. Uh, so the, those are a few books that we'd recommend. I'm sure there's more out there that are good. <clears throat> All right, folks, um, we're going to spend a little bit of time in, in prayer together. Uh, we're, we're first going to actually do the silence thing. So if you're in a place where there is um, some distractions that you can undo, I'd encourage you, if you want to join us to undo those distractions, we're just going to take, I mean, literally like a minute and a half uh, to be silent. And again, silent before the Lord. Um, inclining our hearts to him, just like even asking the Lord, like, God, just give me peace of mind in this moment of silence. Um, and then from, from there, uh, James and I will pick up any requests that you may have commented on. Okay. And uh, also then, we want to thank, we, we, we want to enter into prayer just thanking God that he is sovereign in our lives that we could actually be silent uh, before him, knowing that he, he cares for us and that he will ultimately bring perfect justice for us. Like he has it all in his hands. We just want to thank the Lord for, for his sovereign goodness, his sovereign grace to us as his people. And then ask God particularly to uh, minister to those in this season who would be struggling uh, with anxiety. Um, with, with Corona, COVID-19, uh, and all the, the, the differences and tensions that brings uh, to people's hearts, uh, we just want to intercede uh, for, for folks who are uh, enduring uh, that particular struggle of anxiety. So let's take a moment. If you got uh, anything that we can pray for, please uh, throw it in the, in the comments. We'll pick it up uh, as we go. Otherwise, we're just going to take a moment of silence uh, before, the, before the Lord for about a minute and a half or so.
Lord, we want to confess that um, our, our minds oftentimes race and our hearts oftentimes strive uh, because we don't place you before us. We don't look to you as the one who is in control of every meticulous detail of our lives. We at times don't look to you as the one who, as 2 Corinthians 12 says, whose grace is sufficient in our weaknesses. God, we oftentimes forget the fact that you are the one who has determined our, our significance in this life, that you've, de you've determined our, our purpose in this life, you've determined our, our, our security in this life, that, it, that it's all uh, in your hand, that, that our, our significance is not something that we have to strive for, our purpose is not something that we have to go finding in this world, but you, you bring it to us. That in Christ we have a perfect acceptance before you. We stand uh, before your perfect, unending, consistent, forever faithful love. Father, you've been so uh, kind to us in Christ. What mercy, what grace, what love you've shown us how you would sing over us, how you would call us your own children, how you would just endlessly, endlessly love on us. To say that in Christ, we are precious in your sight. God, thank you that you've given us purpose to glorify you in all our responsibilities, in, in, in all, even, even in all of our planning uh, that it would be something that we are, we are doing ultimately to honor and glorify you, that all our plans, uh, God, that they would be submitted to you because our purpose is ultimately to glorify you. And God, thank you that in every moment of our life, you, you are one who does not stand off, but you, as Scripture says, you are our defender. You are our hiding place. You are the one who surrounds us with shouts of deliverance. God, thank you for tending to us. Even when, you know, even if the mountains would give way, we have a perfect security in Christ. Although we would stand at death's door, we have a perfect security in Christ. Jesus, thank you that you have overcome the grave. You have overcome everything uh, that would ultimately undo us. Thank you that in that we have a perfect security. God, thank you that you are the sovereign Lord who will not fail. You are not, um, you are not rivaled in your position. You are not rivaled in your purposes, but your purposes will come soon. And so, Jesus, we thank you then for the hope that we have of one day seeing all things made new, every injustice, every deep hurt being made right again. God, thank you that you, you, you don't just kind of uh, look past our hurts. You're the one who tends to us in our hurts and in our troubles. You are the one who then, um, knowing the very depths of our hurts and difficulties, will seek to bring about a perfect justice to which we will say yes and amen. We will honor you for it. We will be glad in it. There will be no, no aspect of justice yet undone, that it will be perfect, and we will be perfectly satisfied in it. We will not be saying, well, you, you missed that point, or you missed this hurt, or there should have been more justice brought here or there. No, we will be so satisfied in you, for you will bring about the perfect justice that our hearts so deeply long for. So we honor you, God. We honor you as, as a good father, Christ. We honor you as the, the perfect king. We honor you as the perfect savior, and God, we honor you as the sovereign Lord who will bring about perfect justice for the good of your people. Glorify your name. Glorify your name, Lord. We just pray that 
you would be glorified. As Psalm 46 says, just that you would be exalted throughout the nations, that you would be glorified, that your kingdom purposes would be realized in their fullness. We look forward to that day, uh, God. We look forward to it. What a day it will be. You will be. It'll be such a joy to join in with the hosts of heaven and, and crying out, worthy is the Lamb. For you were slain and you have ransomed many from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. So, Jesus, even, even before that experience, we, we honor you and we look forward to it. So, God, bless your people. Give, give your people hearts of thankfulness, of thankfulness to look to you as the perfect God who will bring about perfect justice. In Jesus' name. Hear our cry, O oh God. Would you listen to our prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you and we, we stretch ourselves out in humble adoration before you and we ask you to hear our prayer. We ask you to hear us from the end of the earth when we call to you when our heart is faint. Lord, lead us to the rock that is higher than us. For you have been our refuge and a strong tower against the enemy. Lord, let us dwell in your tent forever. Let us take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O oh God, have heard our vows. You've given us the heritage of those who fear your name. For you alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Lord, help us to trust in you at all times. Help us to pour out our hearts before you, for you are our refuge. Spirit, would you help us to grow in this discipline of listening and being quiet? Would you heal us of our, our weakness, and our brokenness, and our addiction to filling our minds with noise? Forgive us, Lord, for seeking comfort and distraction in things that are so much lesser than you. Mm. Heavenly Father, would you just help us to know something more of your kindness to us? Mm. You have not faltered in showing the kindness and giving us the kindness, but we've been in weak in understanding that and mm -hmm. seeing it mm -hmm. and pressing into it. So Lord, forgive us and please strengthen us and help us to do that. Mm. Give us the, the desire, the hunger to be silent before you. We need your help with that. I think even of, especially the moms who are surrounded by noise of, of our wonderful children. We love our children. They're such a blessing, but they're also a lot of noise. And Lord, I'm praying for mm. the moms who are de in desperate need of that silent time with you, but they're surrounded by the cries and the screams and the questions and the tantrums of children. Lord, help us even in those moments to see ourselves in those children. Mm -hmm. Help us to even learn mm -hmm. something of our relationship with yeah, you yeah. and our need for you as we see the need of little children. And Lord, would that understanding push us to then set aside this time for silence? Help us to be dependent on you as a little child is dependent on their mother and father. Mm -hmm. Spirit of God, we ask for, for strength for specifically those who are dealing with anxiety right now. We pray for a quieting of their minds and their hearts. We pray for... Um, Again, just a greater understanding of the fact that you are our rock and our refuge. 
any care of this world is nothing compared to our refuge, the Lord, I am the most high God. So Lord, would you bring peace? Help these individuals dealing with anxiety to to know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, the peace of God that is superior to any understanding of any situation. Mm. Jesus, you bring that peace by your Spirit. So, Spirit, we ask for, for a greater filling and a nearness to these individuals struggling right now and battling anxiety. Lord, help us. Just help us. We need your help. We, we need to be dependent on you. We need to thirst and hunger for you. Lord, I also want to lift up our sister Lucinda as mm. she has an MRI coming up. Yeah. Lord, we pray for divine healing. We pray that, Spirit of God, would you strengthen her neck and her back, her spine, her vertebrae, her nerves. Would you heal her body? Would you just overwhelm her with your powerful presence even right now? We want to minister healing to our sister. Mm -hmm. Lord, we just lift her up before you. Would you heal her? I pray that this appointment, this doctor's, uh, the doctor's appointment, the MRI, I pray that everything would come back clear and just surprising that, that you've healed her body, Lord. Mm -hmm. Lord, we love you and we want to bless you for just all the ways that you've showed your kindness to us. Lord, I pray for even today, would you bring things to mind, bring memories of times where you've met us and blessed us. Bring those things to mind so that we would just be overwhelmed with joy and thankfulness. And then help us to, to express that to you first, but then to others. Help us to testify. Lord, we love you, and we ask for your guiding hand, your, your comforting hand, and um, just your strengthening of our church, and not even, not even just here in Wissanoming, but the individuals who are watching and listening around the world, around the city, around the state, around the country. Father, would you strengthen us and draw us together in unity? We are one bride in Christ. Mm. Lord, we bless you and we love you. In yeah. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you guys for uh, joining us. We'll be back on uh, tomorrow afternoon to do a little worship. Again, when we think about doing worship times, uh, it's that Psalm 16 where we just want to, especially during this season, uh, just continue to put the Lord consistently, constantly before us. We just want to incline our hearts to him. We want to set our mind upon him, um, especially during this time. So that's what our worship time really ends up being all about. We just want to minister to him, set him before us, um, and, engage, and engage with him. Uh, one final word. This may, this is really weird, but I can't shake it. Um, if uh, again, prophetic words are like not on par with scripture. Uh, they are to be tested, and so we leave them open-handed. Um, I, I could be totally getting some of this wrong, but I just, Betty or Betsy has just been coming to my mind as we've been doing this. So if there's a Betty or Betsy that ends up watching this, or maybe it is uh, a relative or friend of someone who does watch this, I, I believe that there's a Betty or Betsy that the Lord just deeply wants to encourage. And that 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 comes to mind where it talks about casting your care upon him for he cares for you. I just believe that the Lord is, uh, wants to break something of anxieties in Betty, Betsy's life um, by demonstrating something of his own care and, and love for her. Um, so if, 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 that's you and you're watching this. Oh, the Lord deeply loves you. Perhaps, though, uh, this is someone that someone who's watching this may come in contact with. Just encourage her in the Lord. Um, I believe that the Lord would uh, meet you there as you minister to her. All right. Well, thank you, guys. 
Peace out. If there's any uh, other topics that you're interested in hearing about or questions that you, you feel like we should uh, uh, tackle, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. God bless. Peace.